Welcome to The Rice Life, a podcast by Rice Extension, where we aim to bring you the latest R&D information for rice-based farming systems, industry news, and answer your questions. Today, you're joined by myself, Charlton, and Harriet. Hi, Harriet. Hi, Charlton, and welcome to all, especially as this is our first official episode. So today, we're going to be talking all things whole grain yield. We'll be talking with Dr. Rachel Wood and PhD candidate Alistair Clark. So Rachel submitted her thesis last year on how crop management factors impacted upon whole grain yield. And many of you may have heard her talk uh, and present some of her preliminary findings about whole grain yield, but it's going to be really nice as she summarises her three years of work. After Rachel, we're going to hear a quick harvest update from Mark Grote, and then we're going to jump across to Alistair Clark. So Alistair is currently completing his PhD through the Functional Grain Centre and Food Agility CRC. And it's really exciting as he's looking at developing a model to allow rice to be graded on quality at the delivery stand. So we've got some huge potential there and it's going to be really exciting for you guys to listen in. So strap in and get ready as we crack into talking all things whole grain yield. Before we jump into today's episode, we'd just like to put some context around whole grain quality and why it's important to our farmers. Farmers can receive a premium or a discount depending on their whole grain yield. And the higher the whole grain yield, the more premium product is available for Sunrise to market. But before we jump into our interviews, Harriet, would you be able to give us a quick rundown about whole grain yield and what is the maximum whole grain yield that's achievable? Yeah, so whole grain yield is the amount of whole grain that remains after the milling process. The maximum possible whole grain yield possible is about 70%. And this is because approximately 20% of the paddy rice is hulls and the remaining remaining 10% is in the bran. So after the hulls, brands and broken grains are accounted for, you're left with your whole grain yield. Thanks, Harriet. While it is well established that there is a correlation between harvest moisture and grain cracking, we know that there are other crop factors that influence the quality. So please sit back and listen as Harriet and I chat with Dr. Rachel Wood. Rachel did her PhD through Charles Sturt University and the Functional Grain Centre. She was lucky enough to be based at the Yanko DPI site. Rachel's research looked at a number of different farming practices that impacted upon grain quality. She touches on planting density, the rate and timing of fertiliser application, the different irrigation methods and grain quality overall. We hope you enjoy today's chat as we delve deep into Rachel's research. Hi, Rachel, or Dr. Rachel Wood. How does the new title sound? Yeah, it sounds a bit strange. I'm still not used to it. So, Rachel, you found that whole grain yield was improved or not negatively impacted with delayed permanent water in comparison to, say, aerial sowing or dual sowing. Firstly, did you want to just clarify the difference between drill sowing, aerial sowing and delayed permanent water? Uh, Yeah, sure. So I just want to stress that I'm not an agronomist, but for my basic explanation, drill sowing receives a few flushes after sowing and then permanent water is placed in the crop uh, at three to four leaf stage, whereas delayed permanent water receives a few more flushes during the vegetative stage and then permanent water is placed in the crop uh, about 10 days prior to panicle initiation. Why do you think the differences arose between those different treatments? So I have big, long, complicated 
answer, but I'll try and keep it as basic as I can. Uh, the main difference is I found that there was a difference in protein composition between uh, grains that were well watered and then grains that were in the water saving treatment. So protein is really important for milling quality as your protein increases, whole grain yield increases. But we also found that the composition of this protein was also important. So in rice, there's four different storage proteins. Um, and we found that uh, two of these were important for grain strength during milling, which has also been found in the literature. And I guess why I thought that this difference occurred um, relates to the plant's responses to the drought stress or the water stress. So uh, research has shown when plants incur drought stress, uh, these phytohormones are synthesized in the roots and then translocated to the leaves to reduce plant transpiration. And these phytohormones can also trigger the synthesis of uh, a solute proline, which accumulates in the leaves. And I, my theory was because of this increase in the proline in the leaves that um, in the plants that have been subject to water stress, that maybe this is then um, translocated to the grain and then this changes the protein composition. Thanks for explaining that. That sounds like you definitely needed three years to figure <laughs> all of that out. Do you think because the plant's transpiring less, that is why there was that, the impact on the whole grain yield? Uh, yeah, well, I think it's definitely affecting it. We also found that there was a slower dry down in the um, plants that were in the water saving treatments. So we found that the aerial and drill um, had a shorter number of days between flowering and grain maturity. So in between the 18 to 22% moisture. Um, so it had a more steeper curve um, from losing moisture and research has shown that when you lose moisture fast, that this can create fissures or cracks in the grain. And so because the water saving treatment has us seem to have a slower dry down, which may occur because of the um, reduced tra plant transpiration, but this could also be um, affecting whole grain yield in a positive manner. Oh, that's really good to know. Like, I mean, this year farmers have really been struggling um, to get back onto paddocks because of a bit of rain. So that's, yeah, good to know that delayed permanent water could, yeah, slower dry down. Slower. Yeah, so... The slower dry down, so if you can't get into the paddock, that um, would be a lot would be beneficial. That your grain's not going to lose moisture quickly. So you looked at the impact of the sowing density on the whole grain yield, and some farmers are currently trialing a lower seeding rate to prevent or minimise the risk of lodging. Did your research find that there's any impact on whole grain yield with a lower seeding rate? Like, for example, if people went out at, say, 70 kilos of seed per hectare? Uh, my short answer would be no. So we looked at um, between 50 to 70 kilograms per hectare as our low sowing rate and then also um, 130 to, around to 150 for the recommended rate. And we found that the two varieties that we tested, there was no difference in whole grain yield between those two different sowing rates. And then we also had uh, 25 kilograms per hectare for an extreme comparison. And we found that there was no difference in whole grain yield for one variety where the other one only had a slight decrease. So given that if a grower has to re-sow at the minute, 
their establishment's got to be less than 40 plants per square metre. Um, do you know roughly how many plants were in per square metre if they sowed at 25 kilos? So I think, at, so at the establishment, um, we did plant counts and I think the average was around eight plants per square metre, which is quite low. Yeah, that's well below the recommended um, reso rate, definitely. Yeah, so and then this was, didn't in, they weren't having low whole grain yield, even though the plants were at a low density. Oh, I should also stress that um, we harvest everything at 18 to 22% moisture so that this isn't influencing our results. That's good to know. I guess good time to mention that all of the research that you've done has followed um, industry best management practices as well. Yeah, so all my quality testing and um, everything else is followed to the industry standards, so mimics what um, the growers' testing is getting done. If we move on to talk about nitrogen, um, and I know you looked at a lot of different varieties, so let's just start with Rizique. So we know that the recommended sort of commercial best practice for a Rizique crop is to apply two-thirds up front, and then um, you want to sort of be targeting that 120 units of nitrogen at PI and then coming back and topping up um, from their tissue test at PI. And Brian Dunn, he's done such a multitude of research. He's the, um, the researcher out at New South Wales DPI. And from all of his research, we know that this method's the best to minimise your risk of lodging and cold damage and sort of maximise yield. So we've got all of Brian's done research but now with your new stuff that's come along does any of your recommendations or does any of your research findings sort of contradict Brian Dunn's work or would you add anything on to Brian's recommendations? Uh, for Rizik no so um, the best management practices produced high whole grain yields for Rizik and so we looked at the difference between when you apply the same nitrogen rate up front and then this um, split method, so two-thirds uh, at the beginning and then topping up at PI. And there was, for RISIC, there was no difference um, in whole grain yield for those two treatments. What about other varieties? Yeah, so I did find that there was a difference between varieties, whether they um, responded well to the split treatment or not. So some had a positive response in terms of whole grain yield while others decreased, but this decrease was just compared to um, the up the upfront versus the split, where if you're still having a, um, enough nitrogen, there was no decrease in whole grain yield. Okay, so if you're following best practice management, you shouldn't have a drama with your whole grain yield. Yeah. As I, I mentioned before, the protein... Um, comes from the nitrogen. So if you've got enough nitrogen on the crop for your yield, that's also, that's going to go into the um, grain for producing higher milling. Oh, good. Um, you also recently attended the International Temperate Rice Conference in Brazil. Was there any other research on whole grain yield as you've done or is your research sort of, um, well, leading, I guess? Uh, so for the conference in New York, uh, Brazil, there was one study that looked at uh, milling yield and water saving practices in Uruguay, um, but they didn't stagger their sowing dates. So everything was sowed on the same day, which can create a bit of a problem in terms of 
brand quality because the delay permanent water um, delays pollen microspore by about 12 to 16 days. And so this will push your um, ripening period forward. And so when you're comparing grain quality, it's a bit hard because there might have been a temperature spike in the initial grain filling period for one treatment that the other treatment didn't get. So So not a fair comparison. Yeah. So what we did is we staggered it. So flowering occurred all within four days. And so they were getting the same temperature um, for ripening. Other than um, America, no one's really looking at how agronomic practices can affect grain quality. So in summary, it definitely is world leading. (laughs) I wouldn't say that, but (laughs) we'll go with that. In Australia, maybe. Yes. Yeah. So a final sort of question. If you had a bucket of money to spend on research, where would you spend that money? Or like, did you have gaps in your research and where would you spend that money on filling those gaps? Uh, Well, I guess I just would first say repetition. Like I don't think you can ever have enough um, repeats of your experiments and with more variety. So we only tested uh, Rizik, Sherpa, Topaz and Lange for the delayed permanent water treatment. So I'd like to have um, done a bit more varieties for this. And then, so I guess if I had a lot lot of money, I'd give it all to Brian so that he can hire more staff and do more experiments. Um, he'll love me saying that. And then, I think that's a really good recommendation. <laughs> yeah, and then so obviously and then maybe test all of his um, treatments for quality to see what was actually happening and if it's consistent across varieties. Just to summarise, what are the key take-home messages that you'd like the growers to think about? Um, well, I guess the main one is, yeah, delayed permanent water didn't decrease um, whole grain yield when there was appropriate nitrogen on the crop. So I think that's a really important um, finding. And so also the sowing rate doesn't affect milling um, with when it's above the yield threshold. And as long as you're using the recommended nitrogen rates on your crop, your milling yields should also be high. Thanks so much, Rachel, for joining us this morning and taking time out of your day to chat. Fingers crossed we'll see you soon sometime back in the rice industry. Yeah, well, thanks for having me. It's nice to, um, I always like presenting my research to the um, growers so they can actually see what I've been doing. Perfect. Thank you so much. I definitely appreciate it. So now it's time for the rice wrap-up where we give you a quick update from across the rice-growing regions, from the Murray to the Murrumbidgee. Mark Grote from Sunrise Grower Services is joining us again for another harvest update. Hi Mark, thanks for joining us today. Could you please give us a quick update about how many tonnes Sunrise has received this season so far? Good day, Charles. Uh, yeah, no worries at all. So we've just over 25,500 tonnes into the depots. That's about 65% through harvest. Uh, breakdown by regions, we're about 72% over in the MIA. Um, Collie is about 65% complete and the Murray Valley are just into it about 20%. Wow, so we're at the beginning of May and we're only halfway through harvest. That's a bit different to past years. Uh, it certainly is. The dry down period has been a big uh, area of frustration, not helped by 
uh, as much as everybody loves this big general rain that's happened right across the region just recently, it's um, yes, it's certainly slowing slowing harvest down. Yeah, most definitely. With the rain that we've had, has that had much impact on the average moisture of the crops that are being delivered? Uh, yes, it, it has to a point, although just, just a few stats, the average moisture is at the moment is sitting around 20.5%. Um, this has been rising steadily a little bit over the last few weeks. So two weeks ago it was around 20 and last week before the rain was sitting at 22%. So uh, look, it is and it isn't. I guess the it's slowing the dry down. The, the crops that can come off have come off. Um, pretty well everyone's been sitting on the limit of moisture all the way through so it's um you know it's just it's yes it's a sign of the rain but it's also a sign of green crops yeah okay so looks like all growers are in the same boat with the slow harvest and due to the dry down um how are the average yields looking this year compared to say last year we saw some really really high up the top yielding crops in the mia yeah, look, I said last time it, it was sort of shaping up to be um, a year, possibly not with the odd outstanding yield, but a good high average. Um, and that's what it's, it's shaping up to be so far. The yields to date are sitting around 8 to 10% above the, the long-term average, so the five-year average for each variety within each region. So, um, so it's quite promising so far. Of the varieties that have been delivered so far, Mark, what are we seeing the most of in depots? Uh, that's a good question. Um, look, there's really only three outstanding varieties that, that are due in, Apis, Viand and Rizik. All the other varieties are pretty well complete or, or certainly well on the way. Um, Tons-wise, we've still got about 3,000 tonnes of Apis to come in, around 1,200 tonnes of Viand and probably around 14,000 of Rizik. Um, obviously, Rizik is our biggest variety this year with about 70% of the crop planted to, uh, to that variety. It's good to see that there's such a mix of different varieties that have been planted and great for the rice industry that there's so many seed crops that went in that we're able to replenish the stocks that we've got, fingers crossed, for a big year next year. Absolutely. and I think I mentioned before, we've got enough fresh seed this year for around 850,000 tonne crop. Um, so wouldn't it be great if we ran out of seed next year? Absolutely. So, Mark, do you have any other updates uh, about Harvest? Uh, look, most information is, is on that Harvest app. Um, so there's things like any any um, updates information on depots, opening hours, closing hours, um, potential changes in moisture limits. Um, so many growers would know last week before the rain that... Um, there was a, a period where there was a bin in Daniliquin. We're taking up to 24%. Um, unfortunately, we can only do that in a very limited way, given the the high moisture that's coming in and the and the weather we're having. But um, but that all that yeah, just keep an eye on that. Um, I think the link will be up um, at the end of this. Harriet, is that true? <laughs> yeah. Yep. No, I'll put the link um, to the Harvest app app in the show notes so if you haven't got it um, make sure you scroll to the show notes and you'll be able to download it there um, and Mark I've got our very first question that's coming from a grower and their question is is the grower services portal up and running uh, unfortunately I haven't got any good news for you it, it's not um, look in saying that if there's any specific information that you want off that portal um, 
please give grower services a, a call. A lot of growers want, you know, things like delivery summaries, particularly this year. And, um, yeah, just give us a yell. We can, we can send that straight through to you. Oh, too easy. And I've got a tricky one now for you, Mark. Um, could you please get your crystal ball out and share with our listeners what you think this year's mill out or whole grain, years, whole grain yield is going to stack up compared to previous years? Ah, good question. So, so going on longer term trends um, and the way the seasons progress with a with a really mild grain fill period and and also mild drydown period, you would expect a very good result for whole grain. Um, theoretically, this rain should have had minimal impact on whole grain because grain moistures are still very high, and and you know twenty two percent and above. However, the variability within the crop, which is particularly pronounced this year from a, a seasonal perspective, means there'll be a certain percentage of dry grains within within the crop. Uh, like even though the crop might be sitting at 22%, there'll be areas of, of crop that'll only be 18% and so on. Um, so they will be affected somewhat to what degree is a little bit of an unknown, but you know, given they're still quite high in moisture, probably not that much. And the cool periods after the rain so that the grain doesn't dry down rapidly should also help in that respect. So even though we've had this rain and even though harvest is, is being protracted out a lot, um, I would still expect whole grain to be quite good. Um, those crops are still standing, which is a great sign. So it's, um, yeah, it's a matter of, of getting them off, you know, in a timely manner now, which, um, which we, we wish we'd all do. Oh, excellent. Well, that's, Good to hear, and fingers crossed your um, yeah crystal ball reading stacks up. Mark, can I just ask quickly, this year, um, at agronomists and growers were encouraged to take in grain moisture hand samples. Has there been much uptake of growers doing this, and how has that, or has that changed their drainage decisions? Uh, look, it, it, it was a fantastic take-up, I've got to say, from... from um, from growers, but most particularly from uh, from agrovets, but most particularly from growers, there was a, a heap did it, and the best thing that they actually shared a lot of the results on the WhatsApp group, which which then made others a lot more aware of, of where things sat moisture wise. Um, it did it influence their drainage decision. It probably more confirmed their gut feel, which which is always a, a comforting thing. Um, yeah, so I, I guess it, it certainly put people in the picture and gave them a, a time frame of of when they should be looking at doing things. And obviously this rain is in the very slow drydown period has changed the goalpost somewhat, but I'd say most were pretty happy with um, with their drainage timing and, and it certainly helped in that respect, yes. Well, that's great. Well, thank you for joining us for another RAST wrap-up. I'm... I have no doubt that we will talk to you again in two weeks' time when our next episode drops. No worries, no worries. I, uh, I hope we've got a uh, fair progression for everybody's sake and, um, and this uh, beautiful autumn weather we're having keeps continues on. To the final segment of our cracking conversation on whole grain yield, Harriet and I caught up with PhD candidate Alistair Clark. Alistair is currently living in Sydney, but he grew up on a family farm between Finley and Tokemore, where his parents grow rice and have been growing rice since the mid-90s. After completing school, Al did a Bachelor of Ag Science at Sydney Uni 
where he was lucky enough to do some study tours to Vietnam and Laos, which piqued his interest in the rice industry. We're super excited to talk to Alistair about his PhD project, which looks at developing a model to predict whole grain yield to enable segregation of paddy rice at the delivery stand. So at the moment, Australian rice producers are graded on the milling quality of their deliveries. This can sometimes take months to receive, which delays payments and inhibits quality-based segregation of rice prior to milling. So strap in for our final chat with Alistair Clark. Hi Alistair, thank you so much for joining us. Can you give us a quick overview of your PhD and why you decided this was what you wanted to do? Yeah, no worries. So, um, well, thanks very much for having me on, I guess, firstly. Uh, but yeah, the, my project in the, in the PhD really looks at the development of a predictive model that's able to classify the milling quality of a delivery. Um, so the whole grain yield at the receivable stand. Um, so I guess, yeah, looking at using the incoming um, data that's coming from the production season. So both uh, some of the grower management decisions about what variety they've grown and what the sowing date um, is and sowing method. And then also taking that through and matching it with the incoming weather data from their closest weather station, um, developing a, a data set from that data and then using predictive modeling to um, yeah, create that, I guess, classification grade, uh, which can be used at the delivery stand um, and, and allow post-harvest post decisions to be made on yeah, that data. Uh, so I guess that's, yeah, hopefully yeah, the, the overview um, for that part. And then as far as getting involved, um, I guess, yeah, I was already – familiar with the industry and then had become more involved through the last couple of years of my undergrad up at Sydney. Um, and then was able to join a, well, do my honours project with Sunrise. Um, I guess, again, looking at milling quality. Uh, and then at the end of that, with Sunrise going to be going forward with this project anyway, um, there was an opportunity to join that team as a PhD student and, and bring on some of the knowledge that I'd I guess, yeah, developed through the honours project. And yeah, I guess in the end, it was probably just too good of an opportunity to turn down. Yeah, awesome. Well, the industry is definitely really lucky to have you jump on board to do this PhD. It's always exciting to get a new bit of research that can, um, yeah, help the industry and the growers out. So earlier in the week, Al, we interviewed Rachel Wood about her PhD. Can you just give us a quick rundown about how your studies relate to each other? Yeah, absolutely. So I guess the biggest relation of both Rachel and I's work is that focus on um, on milling quality uh, and yeah, with that variable being whole grain yield. So the work that Rachel did was very much, I guess, focused on potentially maybe more of a more or traditional agricultural science project where it is looking at, she had physical research trials that were largely based out of Yanko and she was running tests and, and trying to understand what the effect of some of the grower controlled variables had on whole grain yield. So I know she focused on some of the sowing methods, um, the nitrogen rates, and then a big part of it was, yeah, the impact of irrigation scheduling and how much water was actually applied to the crop and, and I guess that's the big one at the moment because it's really the the one that has um, a big effect on 
on the margins that the growers able to make off that particular crop. So she was really looking at trying to optimize that for, I guess, really whole grain yield per hectare. Where my changes and, and still in focusing on whole grain yield is that rather than using a, a trial-based data set and developing the data that she was analyzing and then understanding as in its effect on whole grain yield, mine's being collected historically based on, um, I guess, systems that the industry has had created that actually collect the data that way. So from 1998 is the first year we have our data of and then going forward, um, we have the information about which particular growers have grown, what variety they've grown, um, and then also information about the date that they've sown that crop. And so what that allows me to do is then using, um, I guess, the phenological data that that Brian Dunn has collected through his Roachhurst trials is to then say, well, if this variety in this region was sown on this particular date, um, this is the date, well, I guess the the generalised date of when the crop would have gone into panic, would have started panicle initiation, then when it would have started flowering and then when it would have got to the point of grain maturity. And because we have those dates uh, and we also know which, where the location of the crop is, we can then connect that grower to its closest weather station um, and pull down the data based on the weather station data. What ours is looking to do is actually take in the information about how it's been grown and then based on that data set or based on the variation that we see um, using machine learning algorithms applied to that data set, construct a predictive model that's able to say once the crop's been harvested and taken to the delivery stand, have a prediction of what the whole grain yield will be um, and allow the post-harvest processing to use that information, um, I guess, to figure out their best practice plan to actually improve the whole grain yield post-harvest um, as opposed to improving it pre-harvest. Yeah, so I guess, in essence, Rachel's work will be like at the beginning with the management and then once you're finished or your research can be used at, as you say, like at the testing stand and for that post-harvest quality reassurance for the grower. Yeah, for sure. I think that's um, a really good way of explaining how they match up. So I guess you're only really in like the infancy of your studies or the first sort of year of your PhD, but sort of to date, what have you discovered so far or what information do you have that you could provide to the industry? Yeah, so I'm I'm just under a year into the project. Uh, And so a lot of work over this period, there's a few... I guess um, on the academic side of things, there's a few things that you have to tick off to get through your probationary period. So there's a lot of work done on um, in the the literature review piece and then a presentation for a confirmation of cancer. Uh, And then since then, I guess the primary focus has been on constructing the data set um, based on the historical data that's available to us to then start actually testing and experimenting on in regards to that prediction. but since I've started bringing that data set together, I think, well, outside of actual results, I think just the importance of having a data set that actually connects the grower's decisions through to the impact at delivery and then also at appraisal and then even further potentially to connect that to the outcomes of milling and to have that overlaid with the weather data being experienced in different areas and, and at different timings is something that can be really valuable to the industry going forward. And that's, I guess, in, in the reasons why the, yeah, the project's been developed to try and improve efficiencies 
post-harvest and, and also improve the way growers manage their crop, but also in just understanding potentially in certain years why we've had a much better yield or a better whole grain yield or, or if there's been a detrimental effect being able to understand what that is. The big focus and I suppose the findings that we've had at the moment is that uh, we've done a, a pilot study that the results of will be, I guess, reported on quite soon and, and, and published yeah, shortly that are looking at just a trial, like a trial data set that we've um, used that's only the crop records from Rizik uh, and then also subset it to only be the Rizik records in the MIA. Um, and that's basically just because Rizik is has been historically the most grown variety and then um, with the most amount of crop records coming from the MIA and especially for this year, which means we can validate it to the 2020 results. What we've been finding already, and I guess which will, um, yeah, with a little bit more work, I'll be able to say in a bit better certainty, but is just in yeah, identifying what the weather variables are that are having the most effect. And then also when that's changing during um, the different development stages. So, for example, the evapotranspiration rates that are occurring during different stages, um, yeah, during the later time, like earlier in the season, we've been finding that that effect, uh, just as an example, is a smaller effect prior to PI um, and even prior to flowering than it is when that's increasing later in the season. And that's because that evapotranspiration rate and other things like the maximum temperatures and the relative, relative humidity, they're having a much greater effect on how quickly the grain actually dries out. Um, and then I suppose one that's, I think well known by the industry and well known by growers and it's certainly pushed at the delivery stand um, is just that importance of delivery moisture uh, and making sure it's above that 18%. And I think what the preliminary results are showing is that, yeah, even when like potentially the, the impact of um, the environmental conditions that have been experienced would, would otherwise be detrimental if it still has that high delivery moisture, um, the grower can be more confident and, and the predictions are showing that they're still able to achieve high whole grain yields. Um, so that's certainly, I guess, which is a good thing in that we expect our data set to, like well, the effect of grain moisture is one that's, I guess, well known already. And so to see that our data set, while I guess like the project is in its infancy in, in building that out, we're already able to exp like the data itself and, and applying the machine learning algorithms where it's basically learning from the data itself. We're not telling it anything special. It's going to try and find which relationships have the most effect. It's able to quickly see and find that, yeah, grain moisture delivery is one of the ones that has the highest effect. And this is the, the way that relationship looks and, and why it has the highest effect. So I think knowing that we're getting some that are being, I guess the, val the data is validating what's already known through other research trials and known across the industry means that we can be confident once we start getting the other results about the effect of those other climatic variables and then I guess the overall um, prediction accuracies we get and what classes they're being um, put into gives us confidence that the way the model's being developed and, and the accuracy of its, um, I guess the rules of why certain rec certain crops are a higher whole grain yield or a lower whole grain yield. Um, yeah, we can have confidence in, in what those results are spitting out. Yeah. And also, I mean, this year it's, it's been really good because we've got 
growers just chomping at the bit, trying to get onto their fields and they've been delivering really high moisture loads. But um, yeah, always really good to re- reiterate that, yeah, it all comes down to, well, a lot, a lot of that percentage comes down to your delivery, your moisture at the delivery stand. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, um, I mean, once we've already, like as the, as the, the season's been going, we've been able to start bringing in some of that weather data and, and compare that to, to previous years um, and, and try and understand sort of, yeah, I guess a little bit of um, what may be the best effects and what potential the crops have. Um, but certainly, yeah, the, the slow decline of moisture that all the growers are seeing at the moment would, yeah, I guess leads us to believe we should see pretty high whole grain yields as an average across the industry and, and for majority of the varieties, which is, which is really exciting, especially given it's a, um, such small crop year, if we can at least be extracting as many, um, whole grains and selling them for the highest values possible, then yeah, it's massive benefits for the industry and, and the returns we're bringing back through. Yeah, it's great to link that whole grain yield sort of direct impact on the return to the grower and the industry. But let's fast forward three years to the completion of the project and your PhD. What can the grower expect when they arrive at the delivery stand? Are they going to have to hang around longer or, um, you know, is that time, is there going to be a time lag that they're going to have to wait for this segregation to occur or is it going to be sort of a similar time? Uh, at the moment, the way that we're planning to go forward, and I guess we'll have more results from um, leading into next year's harvest around the timeliness of, is is basically to be able to turn it around using the same time frame that's happening at the moment. So pretty well the way that I guess the data set is, is captured through the year and developed so that we're able to predict on it is that once the grower has sown, like it put in the records to say that this is the date that the crop is being sown, um, we're then able to start collecting the weather data based on that information. The final piece of data will be to say when the grower drives over the way station, we get the date that a particular part of that crop is being um, harvested. So that's basically when the data set finishes, but also with the two bits, um, well, there's multiple records collected at the delivery stand, but the last two big ones that we've identified are the grain moisture and then also the average trash levels uh, or the trash levels. And so once those two tests have been done and have been run through the systems that are already occurring at the delivery stand, that information will be able to be fed into the model. Uh, and so it will basically completes the data set. That turnaround of basically the data set being completed, the algorithm being run on it and the prediction being returned to the delivery stand, um, yeah, certainly wouldn't have a major impact on how much like the timeliness of a person like waiting at a delivery stand or the truck driver to have that information on hand straight away about what the quality is of that particular load. Um, just like you would if you were getting your protein percent back, if you were delivering wheat or your um, oil percentage, if you were delivering canola. Given that you're just at the end of almost your first year, how long do you think your study will take? Like, is it an ongoing couple of year process or how does that work? Uh, yeah. So, I mean, as a PhD goes, in Australia at least, it's basically a minimum of three years' work. What we're, I guess, planning to do at the moment is, yeah, with the 2020 harvest results, we'll be able to validate that against the pilot experiments that we've been working on. So that's that um, research on Rizik in the MIA. Uh, 
And then once we've got that developed, I guess what that shows us is, well, for me at least, it, it tells me what the best practice steps are in, well, I guess the steps, the basically the pre-processing, pre-processing of the data before it gets to actually um, running through the machine learning algorithm. So making sure that uh, the steps around feature selection, so which, which variables are actually important, which ones aren't, uh, and making sure the ones that aren't are either removed um, or managed in the right way so they're not having a detrimental effect to the prediction. Um, and so once we, I guess, with, with good testing results, which you've been getting against historic years, we can now validate that against new data such as 2020. Um, and that allows us to have that plan going forward. So then when I apply that for Rizik across the whole growing region um, and then also to all the other active varieties at the moment across their growing regions, um, we can sort of be sure that that process is, we're really happy with that. And so we can start to expand that out. And so in the middle of next year, we'll start to try and, I guess, continue that experimentation and validation across all of the varieties, um, but almost set up a bit of a, uh, I guess, a, a demo of the delivery stand to make sure that when a grower comes through and they drive over the Weybridge and they drive up to the delivery stand and those, um, basically those final pieces of data that are recorded, like the delivery moisture and the trash, um, that that information can be fed as those last bits of data to the model and then um, the prediction be made on that complete data set and then that prediction and classification of its quality to be outputted and actually fed back at the delivery standpoint so the grower can understand what their quality is and then um, before it is actually taken to the storage units and, and where the segregation is done based on basically done on moisture at the moment and, and moisture still has a high for a, a big input on, on the way it's dried down. But if it's segregated more on a potential of, of whole grain yield um, that we need to make sure that timeliness is done. So that will happen through this year. And then by the time we get to basically this time next year, we hope to have, um, well, I guess they won't really be version ones because there'll be a lot of testing that's happening, but basically the version ones of each of the models developed for each variety um, to be ready to be at the delivery stands um, and to have them being tested on at the time. So that's not really to say that um, the outputs will actually be being used and that and anything will change, but basically just to make sure that, um, yeah, the timeline is hovered and, and it's working. So that sort of will take us to a bit over two years worth of work and then there'll be obviously be some fine-tuning of um, that model to make sure it can be fully integrated and that we're getting the the best results possible and it really fits the need of the industry. Um, and then I guess at the end of it for me, uh, it'll come to writing out the thesis, which I'm sure would be a, a pretty enjoyable task. Um, I'm not sure if Rachel mentioned that, but I'm sure there'll be a bit of work involved in that and a bit of head down, bum up. But um, yeah, that's sort of, I guess, how it looks a little bit as a timeline anyway. Oh, it's exciting to see that how it will roll out will be like in real time so the growers will be able to see as you put the model into practice they'll be able to know what to expect when they get to the delivery stand in their truck I guess which is really exciting yes is there anything else through your research so far that you would really like to let the growers know or what would be most helpful for you in terms of collecting data at the end of harvest uh I mean at this stage the systems are, are kind of in place through the the surveys that are collected by um, grower surveys and the ordering of the seed that the growers do. 
through the map price tool and, and the work that's already been done there. Um, so at this stage, I guess, in the collection of data, uh, fortunately, just through, I guess, Sunrise sort of being ahead of itself in compared to other industries in its ability to collect that data. And, and I guess in also understanding, yeah, which what amount of grain has come from each individual grower and, and also how much like hectares they put to that particular variety, um, which separates itself from any other industry. Like if you look at uh, any of the winter cereals, they obviously know how much a grower has um, has harvested and they can and they can track that amount, but they don't know if they've sold some of that to um, to another competitive grain broker or if it's been held on their own silos for for selling the next year. Whereas I guess that's not really an issue for sunrises guys aren't holding over their own rice and there's no potential of being sold elsewhere. So means the data is really accurate in that sense, which is great. Um, I guess I hope on the data side that this is an example of showing to growers and, and I guess to Sunrise as well and, and also to other industries, the importance and, and the potential benefits that, yeah, good data, like good record keeping and good data handling can really make. And I guess this is a really good example of the benefits it can really have. So like in a year like this, um, I'm not sure what they're expecting, how many thousand tons, but say last year was, was just over 50,000 tons of rice delivered. Um, and then the maximum potential whole grain yield that can basically be extracted from that is, uh, is 70%, like 70% of whole grains coming from that, that dry, dry weight at delivery. Um, and so, and the difference between the whole grains and the broken grains in the price it receives at market is basically double. So, if broken rizique is sold for five hundred um, five hundred dollars a ton, well then whole grain uh, rizique milled is worth a thousand dollars a ton. So, yeah, if this is able to set up a process where it improves the growers' ability to maximise their potential whole grain yield but then also approves the ability to, for Sunrise and, and AGS and, and all the post-harvest handling to improve um, the amount of whole grain yields that can be extracted. That's obviously a lot more money that's being put across the industry and being shared across it where and allowing better prices to be offered. I think like a massive potential for better prices to be offered back to the growers. So if we can have that segregation based around what its milling potential is and, and how likely it is to, to break during milling, then decisions can be made to either speed up or slow down the mills and really match it, um, I guess, to the, to the optimum levels. And if we can do that, then you go from having, yeah, that potential of, of say, an in, industry average of about 57, 58% whole grain yield, which is basically what it's been over the last 10 years for Rizik, Um, We might be able to lift that to... Um, 60,000, 60%, 61, 62%. And if you have, like, I guess 50,000 tons is quite a small year, but if that was 500,000 tons, then that three, four, 5% increase in whole grain yield um, is, a, is a massive amount. Um, yeah, they can be turned around and sold at, at double the price than what it was. So uh, I think, yeah, it, it's certainly a really good opportunity for, for the growers to understand what benefit. Um, yeah, and the industry to understand what benefit good data handling and and its potential to really improve some of the systems happening as well. Yeah, improving your whole grain yields going to improve the um, dollars in the growers' pocket at the end of the day. So definitely awesome research that I'm sure the growers will be really 
excited to learn more about as well as the industry. Thank you for joining us today on our podcast. It is a bit challenging. I mean, we have to use Zoom, which isn't the greatest, but we're persevering with it. So thank you for taking time out of your day to chat to us. We really do appreciate it. No, that's okay. No worries at all. Uh, yeah, I think it's um, <clears throat> it's obviously I think it's really exciting for the industry, especially in a time like this where, yeah, some of the information that might have otherwise been found out down the street or in the pub or or wherever it may have been is able to find its way around via a podcast. And yeah, there's a lot of people either in a header or or seeding crops at the moment. That um, yeah, I think this will be a good filler of time and, and they're able to get those updates. So yeah, I think the podcast is really exciting and, and well done to you guys and, and the rice extension team in setting it up. Um, yeah. But thanks very much for having me on. I certainly, yeah, more than happy to join. Oh, thank you so much. That was very kind of you. And um, yeah, a real pleasure to have you on. Thanks again for listening into our podcast. We've been overwhelmed by the support the industry has shown so far. And we really want to make sure we continue to deliver the right information for you. Please come and give us feedback, suggest topics or questions you would like discussed. You can do this by getting in touch via our email, extension at rga.org.au or tweet or Facebook message us at Rice Extension. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to help spread our podcast. Good luck to those still harvesting and putting in their winter crops. Until next time, have a rice day.